Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, March 1st, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Chris, you there? I sure am. I'm sorry. I was on mute. <laughs> that, 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 that's fine. It, it's Monday. We're having a case of the Mondays, right? Yeah. And yesterday was the Golden Globe Awards, which I don't think any of us watched except for Brad. But Brad, you were covering for the site. So uh, t- tell me, how was the show? Because the show was weird. Oh, Peter, let me tell you, it was a thrill and a half. It was so wonderful. Watching this three-hour ceremony unfold virtually with many technical gaffes and <laughs> ugh, just it was not good. Um, I, I usually have have a decent amount of fun watching the Golden Globes, even though you know it's one of the more meaningless award shows. It's an excuse for Hollywood to get drunk and have fun and glad hand each other and pat each other's backs. Uh, and they were definitely still doing it this time, but obviously the you know the wind is kind of sucked out of the room because it's you know virtual and not very exciting. And so it was just, um, it was rough. They had right out of the gate for the first award um, for for best supporting actor in a motion picture drama or just motion picture in general. Um, Daniel Kaluuya won, and he started talking, and the audio was gone. And so then they they, they were trying to figure <laughs> out what happened, and then they finally got him back to give his speech. But it just it just set the tone for the whole night, and uh, it wasn't like downright terrible i guess you know like they tina fan amy poehler made it fun um barb and star showed up at one point which i was super excited about um but yeah otherwise the awards you know themselves were were fine uh on the the movie side of things nomadland and borat subsequent movie film walked away with the uh, awards for motion picture drama and motion picture musical or comedy respectively uh, on the TV side, The Crown and Schitt's Creek uh, took home the top prizes for drama and comedy. And uh, Queen's Gambit walked away with the, the miniseries slash limited series, anthology series, what have you, award. And so, yeah, those were the big big ones for the night. The acting categories had a fair number of surprises. Um, it was very cool to see Chadwick Boseman get 
the posthumous award for his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, and his wife gave a really emotional, heartfelt acceptance speech on his behalf uh, through many tears. Um, some surprises were uh, Andre Day winning for the United States versus Billie Holiday, uh, Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen won for Borat's subsequent movie film as, as an actor, and Jodie Foster took home a Supporting Actress uh, Award for The Mauritanian. The acting award seemed really all over the place. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Oh, and Jason Sudeikis won for Ted Lasso, which was awesome. He, he seemed genuinely shocked by and speechless by his win, too. So, um, all in all, it's just, you know, the biggest problem, I think, with this award show was just that we're, we're all on Zoom a lot nowadays. And so watching the award show unfold on Zoom, uh, you know, in such a haphazard way just isn't nearly as fun as it is, to, you know, to watch the normal ceremony. And so it's just, it was just messy. I kind of wonder, like, you know, the Holman Foreign Press Association is often criticized, like, when they award these awards, it's because they've, like, hobnobbed with these celebrities and stuff. And they, they usually typically give awards to the, the people that, you know, hung out with them at parties and stuff. This year, there were no parties. Or were there Skype or Zoom parties? Uh, you know? Well, so it seemed like some some people had others, like, in their house that um they, they weren't always on screen with them. Like, when Jodie Foster won... You could hear the people who were hanging out in her house react uh, in a delayed fashion because of the delay of the the, the feed, I think, to when she won. Um, Kate Hudson had pretty much her entire family there with her. Uh, there was one shot where you could see Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn and all of their family members like huddled together around the couch, which is like cool social distancing. Um, but hey, it's a it's a bubble. It's a personal family bubble. I'm yes. I'm sure they don't leave their house. Yeah, but. I'm sure all of them don't leave their house. Um, and then oh, and then the other thing that was it was awkward and funny is that uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler didn't shy away from the criticism that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association had been facing recently. Uh, once it came out that the uh, organization doesn't have a single black member, um, a part of its voting body, and so there were jokes made about that, and the Hollywood Press. A whole Hollywood Foreign Press Association addressed it themselves by having three of the members come out and say that they would be making an effort to, you know, uh, have more diversity and yada yada yada. But it just did, did, did they did they say uh, we are friends with lots of black people? <laughs> That's exactly what they said. <laughs> um, but but yeah. So and they for for what it's worth, and whether this was on purpose or whether this would have happened or not, they did hand out an awful lot of awards. Uh, to to diverse talents, um, including many many of the black actors and filmmakers uh, who were nominated this year. So you know, who knows if they made a concerted effort to do that after the criticism. But e- either way, this what the awards that were handed out were very deserving for everybody who won them. For the for, you- for the most part, at least, um, I, I'm not sure that I'm on board with you know uh, Rosamund Pike winning for best actress musical or comedy, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Well, you talked about the winners. You talked about the surprises. Who are the big losers? Uh, the Hollywood other, other than the audience that watched probably. Us. Yeah, HFPA, I think, is probably a pretty big loser. Um, uh, I'm not sure that there really were any any other big big losers per se. Um, I I know. I guess you could say also Emily and Perry, as they want you to say it, since there was that whole controversy about the Hollywood Foreign Press, you know, kind of getting wined and dined, and then they didn't win anything at all. Um, but yeah, I'd, I would, I would say just, yeah, we're, we're all probably worse off for this year's Golden Globes. <laughs> I think, okay, um, Richard Rushfield, who writes this, uh, 
newsletter called The Ankler, he put it really well in one of his recent editions where he said, there's no way to talk about the Golden Globes without becoming smaller. If you take it seriously, you're a fool. If you're outraged about it, you're a humorless buffoon. If you're outraged about the outrage, then what the hell are you doing with your life? Get a real hobby or something. So I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> that is that is great. Okay. Uh, we had one big news story that hit last Friday, I think. Uh, we recorded the WandaVision podcast for that day, but there is a new Superman reboot in development from producer J.J. Abrams. Chris, what do we know? Uh, we know that Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is a, a really great acclaimed writer, he wrote a book called Between the World and Me, uh, and he's written um, Black Panther comics, uh, is writing the script for a new Superman. And we know that the the intention is for this to be a black Superman, which would be a huge deal it'll be a first for movies and uh that's really all we know at the moment jj abrams is producing it uh we don't know who's going to direct it there was some talk that jj abrams might direct it but it doesn't seem like that's happening and of course jj abrams actually wrote his own superman script uh, a few years ago called superman flyby which was really weird and and tried to like retcon the entire mythology uh, at the very end it turned out that Lex Luthor was also from Krypton and he had superpowers and, and all this stuff. And obviously that film never got made. Uh, but uh, yeah, this, so this is a, a pretty cool thing. It's a big, it's a big deal. Um, we don't really know how this is going to fit in with the overarching Warner brothers, DC lineup, but they've already pretty much established that, you know, there, there are alternate worlds, you know, there's the whole Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, which has nothing to do with, the DCEU Joker, which is still Jared Leto. So they've already done a pretty good job establishing that they're going to have alternate universes, alternate characters, alternate actors. So uh, that's not to say the Henry Cavill Superman is over and done with, but as of now, this is the Superman movie that that's currently in development. Do you think that this will just be presented as like, this is the one and only Superman in this world? Or do you think they'll go the comic book route where like there was you know other supermen you know i i kind of think they'll probably do a thing where they're gonna say this is one superman in one timeline and we can have another superman in another timeline but uh that's really just guesswork on my part i don't really know how it's gonna shake out in the end well speaking of guesswork i want to i want to (laughs) ask you know who do you think should play superman uh, there are a lot of great options. Uh, a few, uh, I think maybe it was in 2018, a rumor surfaced that Warner Brothers was considering a Superman movie starring Michael B. Jordan. And, and while he's not attached to this version, I think that would be a great idea. Um, Jacob Hall, our editor, suggested Jonathan Majors. That's another great option. I've seen people suggest um, John Boyega. So there, there are so many exciting choices out there. And I, I really i am very curious to see who they pick. Yeah, I think John Boyega was like involved in trying to develop a Black Superman movie, and I don't think that happened. But I'm wondering, oh, maybe he could be the guy for yeah. for JJ or whatever. I mean, they do I, have you know they have a history of working together, so yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Michael B. Jordan, and there was this weird story this week that Ryan Coogler once pitched a coming of uh, coming to America sequel starring Michael B. Jordan. Brad, tell us about that. Yes. Um, back, uh, I think this was um, after, you know, uh, Black Panther, or the, before he directed Black Panther, rather. 
Um, Ryan Coogler apparently approached Eddie Murphy with an idea to do a, a sequel that would have had Michael B. Jordan playing Eddie Murphy's son. Uh, but it would have been um, not quite the same plot as the the new one, since it would have been more of a kind of a legacy sequel kind of thing where it would have focused on Michael B. Jordan's character trying to find a wife in America following the same path that Eddie Murphy's character did uh, in the original movie. And so uh, apparently, you know, even though Eddie Murphy, you know, was flattered and, and whatnot and interested in working with Ryan Coogler, they they weren't too keen on just treading uh, the same territory that they did before. So uh, ultimately it didn't come together, but now we're waiting for the actual coming to America to coming number two America uh, to arrive on uh, Amazon. I think this Friday actually. Yeah. It almost seems like from this quote that Eddie Murphy was disappointed that the movie wouldn't star him. Like that he wouldn't be like the big star of, you know, the big, a big part of the movie. Yeah, I would imagine that would, that would probably be the case. You know, that's that's definitely his franchise, and I'm sure it was a little bit of a bummer to be, have an idea and be like, well, you would take the backseat, and now Michael B. Jordan would be the star. So, <laughs> yeah, well, Ryan Coogler used that idea for another franchise, and it, it worked out pretty well, I hear. Uh, but uh, okay, let's let's move on. Let's talk about Doctor Strange Two. There's an actor online that's been heavily implying that he will have an appearance in this Marvel Cinematic Universe sequel ben what do we know yeah so bruce campbell who has worked with uh, sam raimi a bunch of times and raimi of course is directing uh, doctor strange in the multiverse of madness uh bruce campbell has, has recently tweeted a photo of a skyline which certainly appears to be the city of london and he says boy it was a blast working in a certain city with a certain director on a certain movie with a certain actor it sure was <laughs> so it's very much a <laughs> bruce campbell-esque tweet there um very much like in his style of comedy uh but yeah i mean it's, it's super vague it's provocative on purpose and i think the expectation from basically everyone who sees that tweet is of course bruce campbell is going to show up in doctor strange 2 because of that working relationship that he's had with sam raimi since the mid-1970s i mean those guys go back um you know quite a long ways and of course bruce campbell showed up in all three of the spider-man movies that sam raimi directed in the uh early to, to mid-2000s um so there's some precedent there for for campbell showing up in raimi directed marvel related content um so yeah i mean I, I would not be remotely surprised if he drops by for you know just a cameo or a very small role in uh in the multiverse of madness. Yeah. Well, like you said, this is the multiverse of madness and there's rumors that there'll be other Spider-Men like uh, Tobey Maguire, maybe Andrew Garfield. It, it makes me wonder, will Bruce Campbell be reprising his role as the announcer in the wrestling ring from Spider-Man one? Yeah. I was thinking about that and I, I don't know. <laughs> I've not delved into, um, you know, the like deep fan theories on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films. But I wonder if there is a theory out there that the character that he plays uh, might be the same character across all three of the, that uh, the movies in that original trilogy, because like you mentioned that first film, he plays the announcer who actually gives Spider-Man his name. And then he plays a doorman at a theater in the second movie. And then in the third movie, he plays uh, a mater D at like a fancy, I think it's a French restaurant. Um, so I wonder if there are fan theories that like that same guy, you know, is just, it's the same character, but he got different jobs throughout, you know, over the years and he just happens to show up at, uh, important moments in Peter Parker's life. Um, so I, I don't know if it's actually going to be, you know, that same person who just shows up or if he's going to, you know, maybe take on a, a 
well-known, uh, more well-known role. I, I saw somebody on uh, Twitter respond to um, Campbell's tweet with like a photoshopped image of Bruce Campbell as Nick Fury, which I thought was kind of a cool <laughs> idea, even if it's just complete nonsense and like, you know, fan casting galore. But, um, you know, the, when you're talking about a multiverse, literally anything is possible. So uh, I, I wouldn't put it past them to try something, you know, crazy and provocative that'll get fans talking like that if they if they wanted to pull something off. As much as they're friends and he, uh, Sam Raimi gives Campbell these roles, it's never like a, you know, a guy in the background. It's always like a significant cameo role. Like, you you know, as you said, the announcer of that basically named Spider-Man or, Mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, the guy that kicks him out is Spider-Man too. So I'm I'm wondering, yeah, I could totally see a Nick Fury like that. That would be, that would be awesome. I would be excited to see that. And uh, if you've ever, if you've never actually heard like Bruce Campbell tell the stories of, all these things like his, you know, obviously his act, you know, the whole making of the evil dead movies or like his fabled career as a character actor and, you know, doing cameos in these films and stuff. I know he has a bunch of books out. I've seen him talk in person and he's one of those guys that uh, like Kevin Smith, I, or Eli Roth, I guess uh, that I actually like hearing them tell stories more than like the movies that they're in. <laughs> or they make mm-hmm. uh, i don't know maybe that's probably a back, uh, the worst backhanded compliment i can give them but um i would say check that out if, you, if you're into bruce campbell because he has some some great stories but um let's talk about uh let's talk about Zack snyder's justice league which is heading to hbo max and uh you know when this was first reported that the, the, the Snyder cut was going to be happening. There was all sorts of rumors of, you know, his original cut had this huge, massive cliffhanger. The fans were basically like, no, no, no. That was a previous version. That was when he was doing two movies during production. They decided only to do one movie. There's no cliffhanger. This is this is a definitive film with a beginning, middle and end. And uh, now we're going to get it and we're going to be happy. And then, you know, we'll move on with our lives. I don't think they said that, but <laughs> but Ben, is that not happening? Well, Zack Snyder over this past weekend told IGN uh, that, uh, quote, it is a cliffhanger. The movie ends in a massive cliffhanger. Yeah. So, uh, yes, all of those fans, I'm sorry to disappoint you if you were hoping for a, you know, fully contained, complete experience here. But um, I think, yeah, like you mentioned, Peter, we've sort of known this for a long time. It's been like bubbling in the, you know, under, just under the surface. Like there have been reports about this, but now Snyder himself is like coming out and saying it. So hearing it from, you know, the, 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 their prophet himself, maybe, uh, will, will finally change the minds of these folks who have been, um, you know, convinced, I guess that there will be no cliffhanger ending in this movie. Uh, there definitely is going to be a cliffhanger here. Um, there, there are a couple other little interesting bits uh in this article peter that i don't know if you just want to like tease for listeners to to click on it and and go listen but there's um the uh, dynamic between batman and deathstroke is going to be very very different in the snyder cut than it was in the theatrical cut of justice league where uh, deathstroke was the character played by joe manganello who showed up at the very, very end of the movie and he teams up with lex luthor in a post-credit sequence and they tease the formation of this Injustice League, this this team of villains to counter the new team of superheroes that just uh, appeared in that movie. And the Snyder Cut is going to be doing something very, very different. So if you'd like to read more about that, you can click on the link in the show notes. And there's some other stuff there about um, 
Snyder potentially maybe what he would do if if uh, he was asked to direct a Justice League two. So uh, yeah, there's some some other stuff there that you can click around and, and I encourage you to do that. What what is Warner Brothers and HBO thinking here? Because it, you know they kind of got. Warner Brothers kind of got bullied by this big fan group to like release the Snyder Cut, and you know they're releasing it. They, I'm happy. I'm happy to see it. I want. I'm. I'm very curious to see what it's like. And it seems like HBO is gonna, you know, get some subscribers off of it, so they're benefiting. But is there really any benefit to like releasing the Snyder Cut with a a massive cliffhanger that will get fans, you know, very upset? If, if, if and when they don't get that, get the sequel? I mean, I kind of have to think that Warner Brothers executives or whoever, HBO Max people, whoever's making this decision is is just saying, okay, we're going to throw these people a bone and give them what they've been asking. And then, you know, if they come back with like another wave of like a targeted campaign to try to continue this further, we can always just be like, hey, you know, beggars can't be choosing. Like we gave you... We, we gave in once, like, isn't that enough kind of thing? <laughs> so um, I, I'm not sure about that. And Snyder himself, for what it's worth, has been like very um, diplomatic in terms of a potential Justice League 2. He's, he's like gone out of his way to say, I don't think it's going to happen, like trying to set the expectations low. And he knows that his fans are like hanging on his every word. So the fact that he's saying that over and over and over again, I feel like is is, uh, you know, important in this context. Um, but he was asked if he would return to direct a Justice League 2. And he said, that's very hypothetical. I think that I would say I would believe it uh, when I see it. And I'd be happy to cross that bridge when I see it approaching. So even he seems like it's it's a very much a long shot, but he's sort of leaving that door open in case something happens. But I, I just personally, you know, HBO Mac gave him, what, $70 million to do the... Um, you know, visual effects work and all the kind of touch-ups and stuff. Uh, a couple little scenes of, or one one scene actually of uh, of additional photography for this movie. Seventy million just for that. Um, I mean, you have to think that a budget, a full budget for Justice League Two, would be way more than that. And I just don't know if that's something that Warner Brothers is looking to invest in at this time. So uh, I, I would not hold my breath for a, a second Justice League movie. I mean, I do. Part of me wonders if HBO Max would want to like. It's it seems like Disney does these things, and everybody tries to copy them. Everybody tries to replicate, you know, the successful Disney formula. And they're what they're doing with Marvel right now is kind of incredible. Uh, you know, they're basically doing these Marvel movies that are cut up into like six or nine episodes of of television, and I, I wonder if. They they see the opportunity if if enough people subscribe to try to do that with Zack Snyder and a, a continuation of the Snyder cut. But I'm, on the other hand, you know how do you even make that possible? Because this is a company that's owned by Warner Brothers, so there's that whole Ray Fisher thing that's going on. Do they want to work with him again? Does does Ben Affleck want to put back on the suit? Probably not. Uh, you know. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Like if Affleck is contractually obligated for a Justice League 2 still, or if he's been able to, he and, and Gal Gadot and everybody, if they've been able to sort of, you know, weasel their way out of that because the first movie did not live up to expectations and maybe that those contracts have lapsed or something. I, I'm curious about like the the language in those contracts. If 
for some reason, Zack Snyder is, you know, granted the the keys to a Justice League 2 if those guys would be, like, required to come back. I don't know. I'm curious. Well, those people did participate in that, like, online social media campaign of sorts. Of, like, yeah, kind I'm of... also wondering, you know, because there was that whole thing with the original uh, Superman, like, Richard Donner's uh, Superman movie, where, like, that film was was... I don't remember the exact details, but it had to do with um, the movie being split into two. And like there were basically it, it sort of helped rewrite the rules for like um, actors receiving residuals and, and royalties and all that stuff for appearing in what they were told was going to be one project. And then it was actually split up over multiple projects. So I'm, I'm curious about like the pay structure for the Snyder cut, because these people theoretically, you know, Ben Affleck and, and et cetera, already received money for showing up in the theatrical cut. Were they supporting, uh, you know, supporting the the release of Snyder Cut movement because they're getting paid an additional fee to appear in, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, or were they just doing it because they have a good relationship with Snyder and they wanted to, you know, to see him, you know, his vision come to life? Like I, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of questions I have that are like behind the scenes things that I, I don't know if we're ever going to really find the answer to. Yeah, I mean, I imagine if you're one of those actors you're kind of like, oh, I already did my thing or, or I got to come back for one day. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Go do it. Like the, the what's the worst that can happen? People like it more than the thing that people didn't like. I mean, I guess the worst that could happen is people see it and they're like, oh, my God, this is so much worse than we ever imagined. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, if you're an agent, though, I, I have to imagine like, you know, there's all this unused footage of your client that is now being presented to the world. I feel like you could argue that that's like that constitutes a whole different performance. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm, I wonder what would happen there if, if anybody listening is like you know, uh, an entertainment lawyer and has any thoughts about this. I would love to hear them if you want to email us at peter at slash home.com. Yeah. I will say this, that for most of Zack Snyder's films, he does release on home video a a Snyder cut or a director's cut or a... I think they're mostly called extended cuts. So maybe that's in, in the contract that they're allowed to release an extended cut for home video and maybe now home video equates to hbo max oh yeah it could be yeah i don't know okay uh we have one final story for you today and that is that the terminator series is going to continue even even though everybody probably just wants it to die at this point it's going to continue as an anime series chris tell us about it yes netflix already has a few anime shows that have been spun off of movies they have a godzilla anime they have an upcoming pacific rim anime there's a uh, Tomb Raider anime in the works, and now there is also a Terminator am- anime um, from Matson Tomlin, who co-wrote the upcoming The Batman. He's serving as showrunner on this series. Um, we don't know a whole lot about it. We just know that it's a Terminator anime series, and in a statement, uh, Tomlin said he's going to approach Terminator in a way that, quote, breaks conventions, subverts expectations, and has real guts. So, yeah, that's that's what we know. So do we have any idea when this will be set in the Terminator mythology? No, there's there's really nothing even, you know, I, I'm guessing. I don't even know. I don't even know where you go. With Terminator. I keep like I, I, I want to say like, oh, it'll probably be set in the future because that just seems like where the series is going at this point where it's it'll be set in the, the, the post-apocalyptic landscape where the the machines have risen but they just keep changing 
the timeline like it's every movie is almost like a reboot at this point where they're just like all right well judgment day didn't happen but this other thing happened and like they just keep fucking around with it that i it's 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 very hard to keep track of where it's going to be at this point yeah i feel like if you do any of the time travel stuff it's going to be too repetitive of what they've already done in these movies and it's so complicated i think if you just fast forward to the future war then there's maybe some interesting stuff to be done there and it's you know doing an anime allows you to do these big spectacular things that would probably be very costly in a live action movie I'm not sure. Have you seen any of these anime series from Netflix, Chris? No, I'm not really. I'm not into anime, so I just don't really watch them. I haven't watched many of them, but I've heard great things about uh, the Godzilla one. There's like a a Transformers one that's uh, supposedly good. Uh, So I don't know. It seems like people seem to like these anime series. And uh, maybe this is maybe this is the direction. I mean, you know, it can't be any worse than the sequels at this point. So, you know, maybe they'll do something fresh and exciting with Terminator. You never know. Okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please write and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.